Welcome to Launched. I'm Charlie Chapman, and today I'm excited to bring you the developer behind the food tracking app Food Noms, Ryan Ashcraft. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Charlie. Nice to be here. It's we we've gone long enough, uh, both into the pandemic and into this like indie career thing, I guess now that uh, I'm having people on that I've gotten to actually meet in person. So we met at WWDC this year. And so it's I don't know, it's a, it's a different uh, it's a different vibe. I feel like we kind of know each other a little bit. I mean, it was just, you know, hanging out. But considering what we've had up until this point, uh, it feels kind of cool. And you've you've been in this world about the same amount of time that I've been, right? As in terms of the indie iOS dev world. Yeah, I guess I was actually like trying to look back and come up with some dates to reference. And yeah, it's already been like what almost three years. It's kind of crazy. So, and we've like followed each other on Twitter and for uh, most of that time. And yeah, it's kind of crazy how how long it's been. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. And then. Yeah, it was really cool uh, meeting you and meeting a bunch of other people like Jordan, uh, Vidette, uh, and everyone else at, at Dub Dub. That was that was super fun. It was a very weird feeling because yeah, you associate all these people with a profile picture, and yeah, all of a sudden they're real and they have voices. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was cool. Personally, Food Noms is an interesting one because our timing was so well aligned. Like we started this around the same time, so. I had a similar thing where I was, you know, preparing for the show and going through uh, your back catalog. And I'm like, when did he, or like your blog posts? And I was like, when did this actually come out? I was like, oh, right. That was right around the time Dark Noise came out. And then I was like, wait a minute. That can't, it couldn't be three years ago. Like, I'm uh-huh. new here. We're new here. We're not supposed to be <laughs> three years old at this point. Yeah, I think we were we were talking about it uh, at DubDub, how there was, there was this sort of wave, it felt like, this like generation of apps that came out around that time. And I think a lot of it was just coincidence, um, but it was like, it was really, it felt uh, like a true like renaissance uh, in a way. And it was, it was kind of fun. Um, you know, there was Jordan Morgan with SpinStack, of course. There was you with Dark Noise, a variety of others. Some of them, some of them I think uh, have been on the show previously that, you know, their first app came around uh, that time or you know, the first version. Uh, I did iOS development, like kind of in the, old days, like when I, when I was in high school. So I was a part of that original sort of romanticism of, <laughs> of app, app development. And, you know, you'd hear all these crazy stories, right? And uh, it felt like, I think in 2019, when, you know, our generation, as I call it, like <laughs> when we were, when we were kind of getting back into the scene, um, or when I was getting back into the scene, it, it felt uh, kind of similar. There was like this renewed hope. Um, I think with like, you know, you had things like subscriptions, you had, I think SwiftUI for me was a huge component of it. And like all the new technology that was coming out just seemed like it was making a lot of things uh, a lot simpler. It was a, a really energizing and, and fun time to be an indie app dev. Before we get into like food knobs and get into that, uh, let's talk about that, that lead up then. So where are you from? Do you have a formal education related to what you're doing? And then we can talk about your career leading up to food noms. And I'm interested in that uh, early era iPhone development time too. Yeah. So I'm from, I grew up uh, in the, the South and in, in Virginia and North Carolina. Uh, I went to school 
University of Georgia Tech in Atlanta, Georgia. So yeah, that kind of answers <laughs> the second question there, my formal education. So I did get a computer science degree. Yeah, I graduated in 2013. I think, uh, you know, that was that's where I met my husband. Um, you know, I learned so much and I really value that time. I think great experience for sure. And that kind of launched me into, you know, my career where I interned at Apple for one summer. Then after that, you know, kind of got pigeonholed, I think, into this like web dev. Uh, I think mm. Apple is kind of interesting how Apple, I think, noticed my resume because of like my iOS development stuff that I had been doing at the time. And then. So you were you were playing around with that in college then? I started in high school. Oh, OK. And then, you know, I, I kind of kept it going and some stuff on the side through college. And that's how that's probably how you got into that uh, internship, you think? That was definitely like, yeah, I think that jumped out on the resume. You know, I was like, you go to career fairs and, and you have uh, iOS projects. You go to the Apple table and, you know, that's going to definitely make them uh, notice you. And yeah, definitely got me noticed. And uh, it's kind of interesting. They put me on like a web dev team um, or a project that was like more web dev, and which I also had a lot of experience in since mm. I had been doing web dev basically since I was 12 years old like right. web design, you know, some sort. Uh, and that was like, yeah, super, super fun. But I think it kind of like shifted, you know, my career more in that kind of web direction. So I think, you know, since then, I've always been kind of straddling these two. It feels like two different worlds of like web dev. And that's like kind of been the main focus of my professional career, you know, where I get paid and, and you know, my full-time gigs. And then I've always maintained this interest in, in Apple. And Interesting. But you never, you never crossed the threshold into React Native then? <laughs> I remember when React Native came out. So I'm actually like a huge React, like fanboy practically. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for the early React days. I haven't done it in a while, but yeah. I remember the, uh, I forget the, the name, the one of the leads on the React team came. So I was working at Yahoo. Abramoff, Dan Abramoff, probably. It wasn't Dan. I did meet Dan later. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I met him later, but uh, it was super early days. I was at Yahoo. So that was like my okay. first job out of college. Uh, we were using YUI, which was a nightmare. It was horrible. <laughs> and we had uh, yeah, one of the uh, team members of React come and give a talk about React. And... Um, you know, I, I, you know, we all on the team saw this and we were so excited and we we're like, we have to ship this. Um, pretty sure we were actually the first team at Yahoo to ship React production. Oh, wow. Um, first or second. And we kind of did it without permission. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it was, it was crazy. And, and yeah, I, I was like, that's, you know, I, I got, so into kind of this declarative programming, functional programming, kind of going down the rabbit hole there. Yeah, I'm already seeing the I'm already seeing the pieces here to uh, some UI <laughs> yeah. being exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's funny because yeah, that. So I started. I had never downloaded Xcode before 2019 when I like made it over into an iOS team, which luckily had me uh, and taught me how to do everything, but. So my first WWDC as a iOS developer was 2019. And mm -hmm. on my, even then, because I've always been a dork, even when I was an Android user, I was a dork that watched all of the Apple keynotes and had wish lists and all that. And one of my wish list things was 
a declarative UI framework because I thought yeah. at that time coming from React, I'm like, this feels crazy. Like it feels like I'm writing like wind forms like I did in college. <laughs> like I can't believe I'm explicitly doing all of this. And between and then so when th that was when they announced Swift UI and I was like, oh my gosh, they did it. Like they did exactly the thing that I was wanting. But between it coming out and uh, or it being announced at WWDC and then it being a point where I could actually start using it. Somehow in that short of amount of time, I became a crusty old UI de uh, kit mm. developer who is like, ah, oh, this thing is so painful. And I love being <laughs> able to have explicit frame based controls over everything. And <laughs> it was like, man, that didn't take long for me to yeah. become the old curmudgeon. It's funny that I've kind of gone down a similar path, kind of like talking about React more and like why I was such a fan is like, you know, I, I used it at Yahoo and then at my next job, at, at, I worked at uh, Amplitude, um, which is, you know, I joined super early and uh, was there for four years. And I think uh, super fulfilling, um, wonderful experience to, to be a part of like a startup that like is, it's like a rocket ship. Um, and I attribute a lot of, I feel like my success to React and like, bringing that technology in and like uh, making that like the foundation for their front end. I was like living and breathing React and and I, I would always kind of look back and look down, I think on like all the imperative UI code. It's like, you all need to see the light. And yeah, then, yeah I heard about these rumors. Um, yeah, I remember there were rumors about like a declarative programming. It was like Amber or something. Yeah, yeah. And I, that was like starting to really pique my interest. Uh, you know, I had tried React Native, which you mentioned, and I was not satisfied with like, it's like they didn't even have table views. It's like, <laughs> and and it was like super broken experience for me. So uh, yeah, I think it's it's just like a lot of it was a timing thing that you know, after uh, I was talking about, I was at Amplitude for four years. Towards the end of that time, uh, actually like burning out pretty hard. I was, it was like really rough. I think going again and like being a part of that startup rocket ship is, is great and you learn a ton, but it's so easy to to burn yourself out. And I definitely, you burn fuel quickly on the, in a rocket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, I was kind of, I think I also had this sort of like creative energy that was being pent up and built up inside me that, I think the tough thing about also being a part of this startup uh, and any any startup like this, it's it's inevitable. You you join super early and you have so much input and like yeah. control, right? Your You're influence. a team of twenty. You can you can decide what the product looks like. Like there's even you know there might not even be a designer on the team. You might be effectively the designer or the PM, right? And then slowly over time, your your responsibility kind of gets uh, you know, distilled down to just kind of your role as like an engineer. And I did not do well with that transition. <laughs> um, and I don't think I was prepared for it mentally. And then it just created this like, yeah, pent up creative energy. I was like, so ready to like do my own thing. And then I remember watching, you know, that was right at four years. I was watching the dubbed up keynote. They were talking about Swift UI. They were talking about even like SF symbols, I saw all these pieces. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to make building an app so much easier. I think also like CloudKit, core data syncing was another component there. And mm -hmm. I remember texting some friends 
when they announced Swift UI, I was like, I was like all caps and like freaking out. It's like the best announcement ever. And I, I probably said that too. <laughs> and I don't think anyone else like reacted to it. I don't think they quite <laughs> got it, but <laughs> I was excited and I was like, all right, this is it. I, I need to make the jump and, and I want to get, you know, why not? Uh, I, I was honestly like so burnt out. I wasn't, I didn't feel like it was a good idea for me to like go get like another full-time job immediately. And I felt pretty comfortable. I could, I could get one. So the game plan was let's, let's try something out. Um, I will give myself like six months. I want to build something of my own that's substantial and, and show it to the world. And then uh, we'll, we'll kind of take it from there and kind of what led up to that point before I had come up with the actual idea. Yeah. So I'm curious about that. So it's always interesting. There's different catalysts for, for ideas and yours started with, I want to build something. (laughs) And then you had to, you had to then come up with a thing to build. So how did you like, I hate using the word, but like, how did you ideate on what you wanted to build? And was it sort of business minded or was it I just want to build something I'm creatively proud of. What were sort of your inputs and how did you end up coming up with food noms and a food tracking app as the direction you wanted to go? I'm actually like going back. So I have like a food noms folder and notes and that's where I have a ton of stuff. So my first note is actually like this matrix. Uh, I was like coming up with like criteria and like ranking certain ideas across it. So I haven't actually looked at this in a while. The criteria was like technical complexity, surface area, how novel the idea was and then how monetizable I thought the idea was because I guess I wanted all these things. No, that I mean, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I was like really, um, I don't think I realized what I was getting myself into. I think it was being driven so by this like emotion, this pent up creativity. I wasn't really thinking through like, oh yeah, how's this, how am I going to feel about this maybe in a year or so? But I mean, ultimately what it was is I was, I was like looking through my phone And I was looking at apps that I use that I pay for or that, you know, I might pay for. And um, I didn't think I had time or I wanted to like try to come up with something totally novel. I thought even though that's often, I think probably a better idea is to try to come up with a new spin on things. I was like, you know, if I can just find something on my phone that I have to use or I use, but I hate using (laughs) I think that, that maybe there's an opportunity there to effectively like build a better like mousetrap, like a more refined version of that thing. And so, you know, I think there was like a clear thing there, which was uh, MyFitnessPal. Um, and I had been using MyFitnessPal sort of on and off throughout time. And I had like developed this strange uh, emotional like resentment towards the app. Like, and I was trying to think like, why was that? and you know, I think there's a lot of patterns and, and a lot of their design decisions to me, like made me feel bad as a user. Mm. And that was like a big enough motivation. And clearly there's a big industry there. It's like, it's so competitive. And, um, you know, that at the time they were owned by Under Armour. Oh, really? Did they build it or did they, uh, buy it? Do you know? No, they, they acquired it at okay. some point. Interesting. Um, you know, since then it's been spun off or sold, but, um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I knew, I knew that there was a lot of potential there and it sounded super ambitious. It sounded like a really hard problem, but 
I could also kind of imagine how I would break it down, how I'd build an MVP and be able to ship something within like a few months. And I didn't spend that long, you know, thinking about it. I just kind of picked it and ran with it. I like that as a, I don't, yeah, because I feel like the general, especially indie sort of uh, way of thinking about things is like, what's a problem that I want to solve? And like, you're kind of trying to think of a, something new or something novel, which is obviously like could be really big, but you have to then create a market for something. Whereas picking something where there already is a big market, that's what I accidentally did with, with dark noise. It's like, that is already a big market. And if you can take a tiny piece of that pie, that is a, like a legitimate business for especially like an independent person or a small team or something. Mm -hmm. It's interesting too, that I, I like the idea of, What's something that I already use every day that I think your words were generates resentment in me for some reason. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I've noticed like some of your, your marketing even explicitly calls out the app as an alternative to my fitness pal, which I thought was interesting. And like, I'm curious to hear your, your thinking on that. That's like been, uh, yeah, that's been, sort of a newer development. I forget when I started to kind of shift the messaging there. I think maybe that was about nine months ago. Yeah, that, you know, if at the very beginning of the journey, like when I, when I uh, had the one, you know, the 1.0, I would have never had said something like that. Sure, I think that yeah. would have been like, um, kind of, yeah, setting me up uh, in a position to fail. But something that I've really struggled with is marketing with food noms. And I think that that does come back to like what we were just talking about, about how like super competitive space, not super novel. Like there are elements that are novel, but I think to like an ordinary, you know, ordinary user who's maybe not in the like indie or the iOS app sphere, you know, doesn't seem that novel to them. The thing that I'm trying at least today is you know how to make food noms be differentiated like what is its brand right. what is its pitch i've always struggled with this you know this this like current you know branding of of being a privacy focused alternative to my fitness pal it's actually inspired a lot by um i i kind of directly ripped them off um there's a company out there plausible.io and their branding is similar. It's but they, so they make an analytics product uh -huh. um, that is like privacy friendly. Their their tagline is literally privacy friendly version of or a competitor or alternative to uh, Google Analytics. And you know they they've seen a ton of success with that. They blog about how like their marketing and they kind of say this is you know what you should try doing. So I'm giving it a try, and you know I think. It is, it is really mind blowing to me that I do hear people saying like they switched from my, my fitness pal to food noms. I think two or three years ago, if, if someone said that to me, I would be again, like blown away. I wouldn't believe it, but I mean, there actually are people switching. So now I feel like, you know, maybe I should have some confidence and yeah. like, and it makes, it makes sense too. It's like, you're either going out and trying to acquire new customers into this space or there's already customers that you know 
uh, care about this as a product. And maybe some of them would prefer you over them. And privacy focused is, I think, a smart play because I don't think Food Noms is going to strategically change to be like that based on their <laughs> current business model. And so, yeah, it's like there's I, I can't remember what book this is from, but there's a. I wish I could remember the name of it. It's I'm getting it from a podcast as you know, people do nowadays, but there's, there's this thing called these, like the seven powers of, uh, I don't remember how, what it's called, but anyway, one of them is, is power, uh, counter positioning as like, mm-hmm. you can build a company on that as your main, main thing, at least for a while, because somehow you have to stand out, but the way you can stand yeah. out is versus something else. And I don't know. Yeah. It seems like that makes sense. I, I feel like indies especially are afraid to do that because you don't want to like poke the beast. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds similar to, is it the, is it 37 signals? The, the, the guys that make, uh, what is the email app now? Oh, Hey, Hey. Yeah. yeah. They, one of his things was like, pick a fight was like a, mm-hmm. a thing. And like, I think everybody, I don't know, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people like us don't necessarily want to, a fight and get in a fight as like a marketing ploy but i don't feel like that's what counter positioning is i don't feel like that's what you're doing it's more like like that's the best way to explain what it mm-hmm. is that the app does and very quickly articulate what the benefit is versus the one that you might already be using exactly yeah and i think something that you know people will ask me oh what does your app do and so like i always immediately start out being like oh have you heard of my fitness pal and yeah yeah you know eight times out of ten they have and then so i'll say oh i'm just a competitor and so like they instantly know it's like the easiest way to explain it versus saying like food tracker you know a lot of people can kind of guess what that means but um yeah or like macro tracker but i think macro tracker like so your your protein your fat your carbs oh okay okay yeah. I guess I'm showing yeah. how uh, macronutrients. Yeah, not- exactly. So you're, <laughs> you're an example of how like using macro tracker is going to kind of exclude you from from certain markets, but it may benefit you because yeah, if you're targeting that like yeah that uh, more knowledgeable group, then you might have more success. This is where again, like uh, it's so competitive. It's so like you're going to find an example of, of any, any one of my competitors and they're all like trying a different angle on it. And you, it's really hard to find your unique angle. Okay. So we, we dove in a little uh, deep here, but if we pull it back uh, a little bit, so you, you gave yourself, you said six months, mm-hmm. how long did you end up working on it before uh, releasing that first version? Uh, the entire, <laughs> the entire time, pretty much. I guess, how did that launch go? Did you do a lot of like pre-marketing prep or laying the groundwork somehow or what was the what was the strategy for that launch again uh, initially you know my expectations were super low and i don't even you know at the onset i was just focused on building something and uh i think i at, at a certain point like pretty early on i started a twitter account i started to like tweet some things and uh at least get like some of my my friends kind of following it and um and i started to share screenshots and and things at some point i remember there's this pivotal point though i I think it might have been one or two months before the launch occurred and uh, i had tweeted a video recording of so one of the key or one of the 
true differentiating features of the app was this like nutrition label scanner feature. Yeah. So the idea is that uh, it used the the vision uh, API framework to like parse out. It could look at the camera and, and look at a nutrition label and parse out the nutrients on that label. Because one of the issues I, I had been battling was that, you know, I, I didn't want to like pay for this super expensive food database that has like, you know, really great like barcode scanning. But I needed some way that people could like obviously like track their nutrients from these like branded food labels without having to manually type every single thing in. The idea is like, oh, if if this is like good enough, maybe it would be good enough for people to like switch because I knew that like that would be like sort of a deal breaker and, and an issue, you know, and it it still it still is a, an issue to a degree. But yeah, the food database is is a huge hurdle uh, when making a food tracking app. And, uh, you know, especially when you're comparing to MyFitnessPal, who's existed for 20 years and yep. crowdsourced like the world, um, it's hard to compete. But I thought, oh, maybe if this like experience is good enough, maybe it would be good enough for people to switch. And and uh, it, was, it was seriously like I hadn't originally thought to do it. It was like a random weekend. I'm like, hey, I remember I... At uh, WWDC, they talked about this new vision API. I should like, I should try and like hack around and see what I can come up with. And I was like shocked. I in just like a few hours, I had built like a prototype, and it actually like kind of worked. <laughs> it kind of worked really well. <laughs> <laughs> and so, in a matter of like two days, I put together like a working UI and 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 demo, and I did the screen recording and I tweeted that out and that tweet um somehow went like sort of i call it like mini viral like somewhat viral you know uh, i was getting a ton of retweets ton of interaction you know from this twitter account that had probably like 30 followers and um that's where like i really got on the radar i remember like i think federico uh you know replied to it you know john Voorhees. that's where it, it got on a bunch of people's radars and yeah like, like Robert Scoble like retweeted it and <laughs> it was it was uh it was crazy and and that's where I was like starting to get kind of scared it's like uh-oh like this actually is like sort of interesting and like people are interested in this so what what do you mean by scared then scared like you started getting <laughs> expectations for yourself or yeah yeah <laughs> it's like oh I, I better not screw this up you know? ah uh, yeah okay I know that feeling yeah yeah <laughs> so I think that's when I started to to try to come up with like some sort of uh, quote plan. I think it might have been was it Jordan? Uh, you know, Jordan Morgan talking was, about his blog did post. He, did he have that blog post? Yes. I think he. Yeah. So it was him. So yeah, he wrote a blog post like pretty much at the perfect time for me. That was like Same. detailing like <laughs> how to go about doing a launch for an indie app, and I pretty much just looked at that, and that was like my checklist. And it's so, like yeah. To, at least two weeks before, notify people of the press, have some sort of press kit with images, a description. And I, I did all that. And um, I kind of like crossed my fingers and uh, it was, yeah, it was wild. Um, I woke up on the launch day. I had done like pre-orders mm -hmm. as well. And I woke up on the launch day and I remember at like, I woke up at like 5 a.m. or something my time and I'm like, oh shit! I need to, I need to make like some sort of like graphic or like some sort of art. I, I hadn't thought to do that, and 
I remember bringing out like uh, a cutting board and my like mirrorless camera and like having the phone displayed next to a bowl of oatmeal. And like, um, <laughs> I, took, I took a picture of that and uh, I think I blogged about it and announced the launch. And it's funny that that picture that I took that morning was like used in like four out of five of like the top <laughs> blog, uh, you know, announcements. That's awesome. Like anybody who's getting close to a launch, definitely include press kit photos and stuff because they definitely use that stuff. <laughs> I think yeah, if, if yeah. you can make their job easier, they're way more likely to, to write an article about you. Yeah. I had included like screenshots, but I hadn't thought to do sort of like a piece of art, you know, like yeah. a hero image. And I think yeah, that exactly. was what That's was missing. Yeah. So yeah, definitely recommend that. I've noticed that too with like when iOS updates come out and a lot of places will do those lists of like this year, you know, apps with great lock screen widgets or whatever um if you tweet out and include in a press kit too but even if you're just tweeting out a picture and you have a little hero shot of it i don't know if it makes it more likely you'll get in one of those lists but if you do get on one of those lists they'll usually include that hero shot and those stand out so much more than the other ones on you know the bullet point list or whatever so that's Mm -hmm. it's good to have like even a light understanding of figma or something like that just to be able to put together those last minute oh no i have a release tomorrow and i've been thinking about code i should probably Mm -hmm. get some (laughs) image out there Uh, i feel like that's a surprisingly valuable uh ability to be able to knock those out really quick talking about the the launch morning it was it was crazy it was like i couldn't even think straight i don't know maybe if you could relate to that oh yes i can yeah (laughs) i i could tell you like like five details about launch day because it was one just big blur. Like it was, I think yeah. it was the same day that uh, Taylor Swift's is lover. The name <laughs> of the album. I know that's the song on there. I can't remember now, but I was like, Oh, I'll play that. And I'll take, I took the morning off initially, I think. And I was like, I'll just play that. And I'll like answers tweets. Hopefully somebody will tweet about it or whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like, two o'clock in the afternoon and I haven't eaten lunch. And I was like, what happened? Yep. It's very weird feeling. Definitely was not prepared. For that. <laughs> um, but I just felt, I don't know. It was, it was um, incredible. And it was, yeah, I, I kind of like, I felt like I'd really uh, achieved something. And I was, I was definitely incredibly proud of myself for that. And also, yeah, again, scared scared i was now thinking about like oh no what's next how do i yeah. like, kind of keep this momentum going and so it, it kind of became this like uh this this uh a new rocket ship like, to burn out on yeah 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 exactly <laughs> yeah we haven't talked about yet uh what your business model was like from the beginning so you had already mentioned subscriptions and mm-hmm. if my memory serves me correct that was the first thing that you had yes and it really hasn't changed much since then. I, I did make a relatively large change about six months in where I made a set of features that was behind the paywall. I made that available for free. Mm. And um, that was that was really the only change. What was the thinking there? The thinking there was, so that was, <laughs> so the original MVP, right, was like so bare bones, but it was, I think it was a pretty good MVP. It was, it was good enough. And it did not have any sort of like onboarding experience. Mm. I realized pretty quickly that I needed some sort of onboarding flow because a lot of users were not like, I felt like the real value 
you get with the app is you have to set up some sort of goals. You have to set a calorie goal or, or a protein goal of some sort that you can like measure yourself against. Um, if you're just like tracking your food without having any goal, I think it's pretty useless. And I was seeing like in the, in the in analytics that a lot of people were not setting up goals and that's something I really wanted them to do. So I knew I needed to make some sort of onboarding experience to try to encourage that. And when I was designing that, I realized that uh, I think the issue is I was limiting the number of goals or the types of goals that you could set up behind the paywall. And I realized then that like it, it just didn't feel right that you know you had to you had to pay in order to have mm. a good onboarding experience. So it was a pretty easy decision from there. Launch went well. You said you were scared. What do I do going forward? But it's been three years uh, and the app's still there. So like, what was the next things that you did then? I will say it, it has been uh, not easy and it has been a continuous learning process since then. What I decided to do is, okay, I'm going to give it another three months because I initially said six months. And then I think that launch like totally blew me away that it was way beyond what I expected. And sort of the reaction and, and the feedback I was getting, like people were really liking what I had built. Like, okay, maybe I should take this like a step further and see where this goes. So I would say, all right, I'm going to give it another three months. And then three months turned into like six months, turned into nine months. And I was just like, you know, heads down, super focused on trying to continuously iterate and improve the app. And, you know, again, trying to, prioritize like what is the easiest thing I can do that I can ship like next week or mm. you know in, in two weeks that is going to really make a difference and I just kept doing that um, and then I'd start to get to these points where it's like okay these are the next big pressing issue is, is going to be one that takes a lot more effort so one of those was like the community database and, and the story yeah. there so so the the database, like I said, has always been sort of this, this big, hairy problem. And, uh, you know, it's, it still continues to be. And, and uh, you know, I, I was, I knew that the database that I had in, in the app was not the best. Um, it's honestly still not the best. But I was trying to think, like, what can I do to make it better? You know, I can go down the path of paying another company, like, a bunch of money. Uh, every month, like a ridiculous amount, I could figure out like ways to license it. And then I started to actually get like user requests to be like, Hey, I'd, you should try just crowdsourcing. I'd be happy to help you out and like fill out the database. And I, I decided to go with that approach. And, uh, I think that was like one of the biggest updates, you know, since the original, there's kind of been these like major inflection points and if you look at like kind of food noms growth since then and the community database is definitely one of them that had a inflection point in like user acquisition growth wise is that what you mean no i think it it actually had more of an effect on like retention and like mm. activation so people that were downloading the app they were way more likely to actually like keep using it and was that immediate? Because in my in my head, that's not a feature that people would be like, oh, I'm going to pay for this app because I can add to it. It would be like over time, it would make your, catalog, or your, uh, your database way better. 
the real benefit was not immediate. And so like that inflection point, you know, maybe it wasn't truly like an inflection point. It was like a critical point, I should say. Yeah, yeah I'm not trying to words. I'm more just curious, like what the impact was. I mean, there there was also with that update, you know, I didn't talk about it as much, but every time I, I revisit the database, I make some sort of like big improvement beyond. So like the community database update also like refreshed like a lot of the food. So I have like a base data source um, that's free for all the, uh, a lot of the foods in, in the community database. And, you know, I refresh that and, uh, and, you know, I improved the search algorithm. So I think that definitely had an impact, mm. but. Nice. And so that's, that was, I'm not going to pretend to understand time. I mean, I remember when that update came out, but that could have been, mm-hmm. you know, last year or two years ago or Probably not three years ago, I guess. But uh, how long has that been out then? Uh, I think I shipped that here. The original version came out in May 2020. 2020. Okay. So, so you've it had was actually a long time ago. Over yeah. two years of building out a database, and which is kind of slowly building out a little moat for you compared to at least newcomers into the space. Because, yeah, it's 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 like your own database that you're not having to pay for versus... Yeah, you could jump right in and pay for one, but that's going to make your whole cost structure like the app would just have to be a lot more expensive, right? I've been again like very surprised. I think I did I had like low expectations, and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty like amazed at how many people actually have contributed to the database. I think a lot of that has to do with that UX flow. So a part of that update also like changed the scanning UI subtly. Mm. So it was like a very seamless flow. You would click the barcode scan button, it would scan the barcode. If it failed, then it would just seamlessly bring up the, the scanning UI for the label. Yeah, you don't have to choose. Yeah, they were not like two separate flows and like a really clunky experience. And um, yeah, I checked uh, right before this and I've gotten uh, over 80,000 like unique contributions to the database which i think is just just (laughs) that's pretty cool that's like (laughs) Uh, it's cool too because that represents like real humans using the thing you make yeah yeah and that's like unique too so like the number of actual like you know amendments or or sure yeah just like um it is it is wild to think about because yeah i never would have imagined that that many like user generated content is always a sort of thorny subject and scary i think especially for indie devs but in this case like you're not storing images or anything with those are you no no yeah so i guess like have you had issues that you've had to deal with as far as um bad actors or or whatever i'm actually pretty happy with like how i went about this so i actually have on the server side like a set of heuristics and like a series of checks there's probably like 20 different checks that every contribution goes through. And then, um, you know, if, if any of those checks like get flagged, then it goes into this sort of like pending state. And then I have like human moderators can go through and review. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll like look for, you know, swear words. I'll look for like, you know, numbers that are outliers. They're like in the 99 yeah. percentile of, of some metric or like some things just don't add up. Uh, or if it's like, I, you know, I really want the database to to have like high quality. I think quality is 
actually better than quantity. That was actually one of my gripes with my fitness pal is I felt like you would search something and you would get like 30 results for the same thing. And a lot of times it was hard to pick which one. And yeah, for sure. And so I really wanted, uh, to try to like have a high quality bar. And so I tried to make as much automated as possible too, because I'm running this all on the side, <laughs> you know, since then I've gotten another full-time job and, uh, I do, I do hire, uh, contract contractors for help, uh, on the human moderation side, but yeah, no, people have been, um, good actors. And, uh, you know, one, one thing I also implemented was, uh, sign in with Apple in order to use the community database. There is that like friction that you have to like sign with ah. Apple. And, and the, the cool thing there is that it doesn't ask for your name or, or email address. You can actually like, um, when you're configuring the sign with Apple integration, you can disable that. So I'm still like not collecting your email ever or your name. And I think that's really cool, but it uniquely identifies you and sort of like has this extra layer of, of confidence that you're a real human being uh, and a real device. Yeah, because Apple IDs, more than Google or Facebook, Apple IDs are, it's like a pain if you wanted to have like burner Apple IDs or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That's cool. So I think that's helped a lot. This has been going on for three years at this point. How, like how do you see it going forward into the future? Is it, is it kind of a fun side hobby that gives you your creative outlet for whenever you're not getting that, you know, in your normal jobby job, what are you sort of looking at in the future with food noms? Yeah. Great question. Uh, <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I could see food noms going in so many different directions. You know, I think in the immediate term, I have been uh, working on this like huge update of kind of fallen into this trap of like, oh, I need to, to ship like a 2.0. And, and I've like let that the scope of that, like, I think, grow into something that's like almost unmanageable. And I've been I've been talking about it for a super long time. So I am getting somewhat close to to having that shipped. And I, I hope that, you know, people will like that update. You know, I think it brings a lot of especially existing food noms users. I get like so much feedback and so much great, like positive feedback, but, um, you know, there's, there's always these like key things, these key features that I know that food noms is missing today that I hope that people will be excited to see as part of this update. Um, and kind of just interested to see how that update, you know, goes, you know, and I think, I'm going to try to do like a, another sort of launch. I think it, it may be a little bit difficult. I haven't really found that like one unique feature or headliner. I think um, the story. Is, is the tricky part. Yeah, the story. But yeah, um, you know, I'm going to still try. And, and I think I'm also just kind of at this point ready to get it out the door. I've been working on it for so long and ready to kind of, yeah, uh, get it ready. But uh, we'll see where that goes. And I think that will kind of dictate, you know, what the, what the future is for the app, but I still, you know, I've, I love working on it on the side. It is that like creative outlet. And I've also just like, I think just learned so much from the experience working on it that it's really made me like a better, uh, I don't know, better engineer, better designer, you know, better copywriter, better marketer, better PM. And 
those are like super valuable skills that I'm taking with me to other you know, parts of my life, you know, primarily my, my main job. And I definitely value that. I'm excited to see, see where it goes before I let you go. I'll ask you the question I ask everybody to end the show out, which is what's a person or people out there that have inspired you that you'd recommend other people check out? Uh, yeah. So I think, you know, first I, I feel obligated to like, I think there, there have been like so many guests on the show that uh, I, I look up to and, and I think they've been commonly cited. So I don't want to like repeat uh, the same usual suspects, but yeah, you gotta you gotta have a hipster pick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, somebody you gotta say somebody before they're cool, and then you can you know claim ownership over them being cool afterwards. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think uh, I tried to try to think of like a unique answer here. You know, I, I think um, one person that genuinely has, has had like a, a big impact on me and, and someone I look up to is uh, the CEO of the previous company I used to work for, uh, Amplitude. His name is uh, Spencer Skates, and um, you know you will find him if you search for him. You'll you'll see uh, you know he'll have some blog posts, and he's been interviewed on some podcasts. Um, but you know, I just wanted to give a shout out to him. He's like had a huge impact on me. I think sometimes there's this like you know stereotypes around uh, you know, tech startup CEOs, and and there's often you know painted in in the worst light. You know, Spencer, I think, is an example of just a really, really great uh, human being, uh, really great leader. I think, you know, I just want to say, like, he's super smart and super, like, humble. And I think one of the things I admire the most is when he's wrong, he, like, will openly admit to it and fix the issue. Uh, <laughs> so many people in this world will not do those things. <laughs> Um, they won't yeah. admit to it or they, <laughs> they uh, will admit to it, but won't actually address the problem. And, um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, he's had a huge impact on me as, as sort of an example of a, a true leader. Yeah. That's, that's a nice, uh, what's the right word? Not antidote, but, uh, example to all of the, uh, you know, TV specials about CEOs uh, in the tech space lately that are not exactly shining examples of, of human beings. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's a lot of companies and a lot of them are, are really great. And so, yeah, that's cool to hear about one that that is. Well, before I let you go, where can people find you and your work? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at uh, Ryan Ashcraft, R-Y-A-N-A-S-H-C-R-A-F-T. You know, I tweet about most stuff there and then I also have Foodnoms has a Twitter account, food underscore N-O-M-S, and then foodnoms.com. Thanks for listening. This episode was edited by Jonathan Ruiz. If you'd like to discuss the show, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Chucky C or tweet the show directly at launched.fm. I'd really appreciate a rating or review in your podcast app of choice. And you can find show notes and more at launched.fm.com.